with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kowick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me, my co-hosts, oh, I shouldn't say this, but I will, the queen of pain, Maureen Wood. Hi, how you doing? Good. So I'm sitting here uh, at my desk, and I'm looking straight ahead, and what do I see but a picture of myself and your sister. Really? You're looking at what? A picture of myself and your sister. Oh, Yvonne? Yes. Ah, that I was, was a while go- ago. I was going through uh, my mom's stuff. God bless me. This is the hottest job in the world is going through uh, stuff of uh, people who have died that you're close to and you have to get rid of it. It's it's ext- for me, it's extremely difficult and I have to do it slowly, but I have been doing it. So I came across a small picture frame that my mom had and uh, there was this little picture of, of Yvonne and uh, me sitting on the steps at the uh Tenney Gatehouse. Wow, do you that? Do you I do. That? at Tenney yeah. Gatehouse, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. You don't remember the photo shoot for a Women's World magazine? Oh, yeah, but I didn't remember it being at Tenney Gatehouse. Tenney yes, Gatehouse, it was Tenney Gatehouse yeah. yeah. So, long before in, a, in another lifetime, when Marvine and I were had the original Ghost Chronicles show and uh, we were ghost hunting and everything else. Uh, we did this investigation, and somehow I still don't understand to this day. Uh, Women's World magazine contacted us to do a, uh, a story on on us and the uh, the investigation uh, that we were doing because your sisters was involved in it. And uh, you remember it? Yeah, but I th- I think I you know obviously it's been a while, but I think what was happening is we were planning on going out. Yvonne was talking to you and you know through me, and she was trying to you know have an investigation done, and it was on the hush hush. Remember? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the same time, maybe someone came through and requested from Women's World uh, magazine that they were looking to do some sort of follow along or to see what was going on and to touch base about an uh you know what you got we were doing and it just right it happened as long as we weren't you know that's probably why we went to tanny gatehouse right for the pictures because we didn't want to be at that other location too oh right no no it wasn't that other yeah. location this was after the fact the investigation right. was already done this was uh um after the fact they had contacted after us fact, about yeah. about they wanted to to uh, highlight story. us in the magazine which I still got a copy of that somewhere around here. Me too. It's it's packed away though. That's yeah, uh, hundred years old. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's anyways, packed away. lots of boxes, but it's packed. And away. they they had like, I remember they had like a thousand candles that they put around the place. They were cool pictures though. I I will say. I mean. Yes. Uh, somebody borrowed them from me, and I never got them back. But that's uh, all right. 
No, did I'm I? Not, I, I, thought I, you made, I thought you made a CD for me. No, that CD was the one that they had given me, uh, so I never uh, got to see it again. But uh, I Sorry. assume that uh, I have it somewhere. I I'm just sure don't. You do. Packed I away. Just, <laughs> packed away. Well, you know, we packed a lot of things away about a year ago, but mm -hmm. our intention was we were going to sell it. It didn't quite go that way, you know. Well, you got your house clean that way. Exactly. <laughs> now I don't want to bring anything back in. <laughs> Because it's like been nice and organized, and it's like, yeah, I don't need all that stuff. If I've been without it for so long, then I'll just yeah. leave it packed away. I know, so. but uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, an interesting time, and uh, he shot. I mean, like I don't know how many photographs there, and uh, and one of them I remember. Um, oh, it was me holding this candelabra, and Christian Dave. Uh, we used to do Spectre Eleven. It's you and I at uh, Salem. God, we did that yep. for 13 years. And God, yeah. uh, Christian wanted the photograph, and he, he I showed, sent him a couple, and, and that was one of them that was holding the thing. And he used that one on his posters in Salem. So for 13 years, I was posted all over the uh, city of Salem with me standing there holding that candelabra. So. Well, I know, but that's cool, though, because it also brings back, it's, you know, multidimensional, let's say, multi literally. Well, meaning you have it's got different stories and tied to it, right? So you have it with Salem, with Christian Day, and then you have it with, you know, the pictures mm -hmm. and the investigation from the Stone House. Yeah. So now the Stone House, that was a an interesting uh, investigation. It was one one of our earlier ones. In fact, your daughter was with us when we Yes, were. she was. Yeah. Who is now yes. a police officer? Oh, she has been for the last this had this That's had right. to be quite a long time ago. Do you remember mm -hmm. how many years? No, because I do not. Are you kidding me? My daughter right, has been 10 years old. You're well, <laughs> I'm going to age myself, but my daughter has been a police officer. Now she's actually a lieutenant um, for the police mm -hmm. department, and it's been 17 years. Wow. Yeah. So, so probably, this is back in our early days then, very, very early days. Very early days. I mean, mm -hmm. I want to say Sabrina was either in high school or she was just about to go into college. Well, we wrote about it in our first book, Ghost Chronicles. So that was 2007 that it came out. Right. So it was prior to that. Uh, so, yeah, you're talking you know, the, the turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a while ago. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was definitely interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. I think uh, to me, one thing that I thought that was very interesting is when we're in investigating, um, we came across a spirit or entity that we recognized. Remember that? Yeah. Well, it, it depends. We have a, you know, I, I, we, we, we thought it was a demon at the time, meaning that it never had a body. Uh, right. It was never alive as a human. Uh, it, it was a nasty thing or whatever it was. Uh, it, it terrorized the people that were in that place and, uh, which is why they eventually moved, uh, Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was an intriguing investigation. We had some uh, good infrared shots uh, back, back back then. It was infrared for photography with uh, real film. Uh, so it was it was uh, it was intriguing uh, to to say the very least. Well, I mean, for me, the one thing I definitely want to to voice is the fact that you know you and I went on a couple, well, maybe 150 or more investigations, right? Mm -hmm. And oh, I yeah. would say that there has only been maybe 
three or four times where we thought it was something no. that was uh, more, huh? Yeah. Well, nasty. no, meaning say, nasty, but more saying that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, like, you know, everything is a demon. And that's not oh, really that's the case. Thinking. You know? yeah, that's nowadays thinking. Yeah, it's Yeah, and it's not the case. But the, the point is, is that I don't use that term lightly. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't either. But I don't want, you know, you could get someone who was a, you know, piece of work when they were alive. Uh, you know, someone who might be a serial killer or somebody might, and they, you know, they died doesn't mean they automatically sprout wings. Right. Um, and become this angelic creature. I, I do not no. believe in that. I mean, I think that for me, it's just everything. There's a balance and it's shades of, you know, all different grays. You know, there's this whole spectrum. Sure. I have to laugh because uh, we're sitting here talking about that. And then, of course, the Tenney Gatehouse was was down the road from uh, the castle uh, ruins, which are up on the top of the thing. And that's where you once again. Yeah. Something that was extremely nasty. And that was that was really, really nasty. I mean, I have the audio of that. You hissing and spitting and yes, I know. Growl, growling and howling yeah that was a thing but we also found out that that was also a uh drug rehabilitation center at one time and um you know sometimes uh evil preys on whatever but uh yeah that was a nasty place too yeah but uh anyway uh that's not all the stuff that we did with nasty no no i mean there there are so many interesting places that we investigated that and then you know i thought they were intriguing uh the, the, there's so many of them i'm trying to think of uh, of one that, that that stands out that i thought was was really cool and, and i can't because we had so many unique so many yeah and in fact i was talking uh, to someone the other day about the you know your errands uh in, at wood island lighthouse and yeah how, uh, they teleported uh absolutely that yeah. was you know honestly um i don't know if you want to state it yeah, again you know, yeah just in case somebody missed that show we can, um we can, yeah, so just... so basically we had gone out to wood island light and we went to mm -hmm. do the investigation and i had these really nice very expensive like you know filigree gold filigree earrings that my husband had bought for me for our anniversary and, you know, when I came right from work and we raced over and we got there, I had forgotten to take them off. Right. And I still mm -hmm. had them on. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Right. And in fact, you know, a couple of comments were like, oh, I love those earrings. Oh, they look great. And I'm thinking, yeah, oh, no, I still have them on. Well, we were on the boat going to the island and I thought, what do I do with them? I can't really take them off because they were so delicate. If I take it off, put it in a pocket, chances are they're not going to make it back. Right. They're, they're mm -hmm. going to break. So. We went, we investigated that night, and later on in the night, you know, someone had made a comment to me like, uh, Maureen, you have an earring missing. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. no. And all I kept thinking was, great, we need to find this, right? So I'm sure I was driving you crazy. But we, we tried. Had, we did try, but we had gone out at night. We were on the boardwalk. We were out in the grass area. We were, you know, in the we were all, all over the place. So I'm thinking oh, yeah. the chances of us finding this are probably, you know, slim to none. And um, so we get out there and the next morning, right, the boat was about to pick us up. And I want to say the boat, it was the last, because of the time of year was like October or something. And it was the last time they were going out to the island. So I remember, you know, talking to the person bringing us back and saying, listen, if you find the earring, um, you know, please just hold on to it and then I'll get it another time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I get home and I'm telling my husband and he was so thrilled. Um, 
that I was foolish enough to to wear the earrings in the first place and whatever. And and so I said to him, you know, I have faith. I'm going to find it. And and then I kept saying, you know, sending out these messages like, hey, I and I did it while we're on the island, too. Like, come on, I need help here. <laughs> I need my, you know, this, this has memories to me, this, you know, and it's more about what it represented, not necessarily the earring itself, right? It was a gift to me from my husband. So I, you know, my husband and I, the kids were gone, you know, it was only him and I in the house. And I had my bureau and my jewelry box, you know, on top of my bureau. And I said, you know, I'm going to take the earring and I'm going to hold on to it and put it. I put it in a little box. I put it inside my jewelry box. And then honestly, I think it was like a week or a couple of weeks later that the odd things that started happening was, you know, at that time I worked and had to have, a, you know, a regular, you know, Timex watch so that I could record the time on certain projects that I had to, you know, had to be specific. So I get up in the morning and I go to put my watch on and the battery's dead. And I thought at first I thought, oh, well, that's great. You know, I'll just buy another battery. So two days in a row I had to buy another battery. Um, and then on the third day I woke up and I was like shocked because when I got up, my husband's in the kitchen. I go to get my watch. I go to, you know, pick up something and I look on top of my jewelry box and there was my earring. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't touch it. I yelled and screamed my head off. And I said, you know, to my husband, you know, you got to come in here. You got to come in here, you know, and he's like, oh, my God, what are you screaming for? It's like 630 in the morning. I'm like, look at the jewelry box. He goes, yes. Yeah, so you had your other earring. I said, no, no, you don't understand. The earring is in my jewelry box. He goes, oh, you're so crazy. You must have gone and bought it. I'm like, no. First of all, where do you ever go to buy one earring? I know. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, that's not going to happen. And I refuse to do it anyway, because I somehow I just knew I was going to get my earring. I didn't know how, but I kind of got this feeling I'd get it. And I mm -hmm. opened up the jewelry box with him watching me and I pulled it out and I'm like, look, I got two. And he just sat there and stared at me. He's like, you're just so crazy. <laughs> I was like, I'm crazy. I, you know, how do you explain it? He's like, I, I, I can't. <laughs> and yeah. He walked away. So, you know, that's that type of uh, activity has occurred to me, you know, several times. One, another time you and I were doing an event with Zwicker at the end by the sea up in, uh, I forget where it was, but it was up the coast and uh, we had did a dinner thing and then we were going to do a investigation. And I used to carry a, a small duffel bag. I used to keep my equipment in. And then at the very end of the duffel bag was a small pocket that I kept my EMF meter, my recorder, and my camera. I always put those three items in there. So uh, we uh, went. We ate dinner, and then we had time for investigation. I went in to get my equipment. I reached into the pocket, pulled out the recorder, pulled out the camera. There was no EMF in me, and I kept looking around and I had my hand. I mean, the, the the pocket was probably the size of my hand, totally. If it was, it's was probably smaller than that. And there was nothing in there. So I had to borrow a, a meter from, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim? No, our photographer at the time. Uh, what the is his name? Linder and? Leo. Leo, thank you. I had to borrow one from Leo. So uh, I borrowed his, and then that night after the investigation, we, we came back in the room. I gave Leo his, and then I went and put, uh, put my camera into the bag, and I stuck my hand in there. And sitting there inside it, biggest day was the EMF meter. So yeah, it, see, it, it does. This, it it yeah. happens. 
I mean, it's weird. That's one of the signs of a haunted house is this, that things become misplaced or, or if you want to call it, uh, but they disappear on it. And another time, and this was at another lighthouse, it was Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, we were doing the tours. And I have a, a uh, flashlights that I use and they are, uh, they have a red light setting on them so that you don't hit with white light because, you know, red light's better on your eyes and everything. And uh, so... Anyways, I had two of them, a silver and a black one. And uh, you have to park your car outside. So I, I grabbed my equipment and I, I grabbed one of the flashlights, the black one. And then I locked the rest of the stuff in the trunk and, you know, had to lock the car up because it was outside the gate. So we went in into the thing. We did the uh, tours. And then at the very end of the lighthouse, I, you know, we had handed out EMF meters to everybody. So in dowsing rods. So I'm there and I'm collecting them. The people are handing them hand to me. And then all of a sudden, somebody hands me a flashlight. And I didn't think of putting it down. And then all of a sudden, I picked it up again. And I said, who handed me the flashlight? And nobody said anything. And then I said, did anybody see me handed this flashlight? Nobody said anything again. So I looked in my back pocket, pulled it out. And it was the other flashlight. So I had the silver and the black flashlight. So you had a friend visiting. <laughs> I had somebody. And, and the interesting thing about it is, is that if you have a flashlight, you put it in your pocket, you put it in your hand, it's going to, it's because it's metal. You have the heat transfer. Well, when I, somebody handed me this thing, it was cold as ice. Uh, and Jeremy Dontremont, who was uh, coming down the stairs at the time, saw somebody hand me, saw the hand come out with the flashlight, but didn't see who gave it to me. Uh, so that's another one where something teleported or, or whatever you want to call it, aported, I guess it's called aported. Is that what it's called? I, I don't know. I mean, I have my theory on it, but go ahead. Well, my theory, and this is, uh, I don't know, you'd know more the science than me, but I often think that, you know, everything that we have around us that we look at that's visual, that's physical is very solid, right? So it's like atoms or, I don't, you know, always in motion, right? Mm -hmm. But there's, they're slow. They're moving slowly. The slower they move, the more dense the object. Is that correct? I mean, you'll say it better than me because you yes. have a science degree. Yeah. But in just basically, correct? So if a spirit or energy is trying to, if they speed up that the, uh, you know, atoms or however, they're working on that item, then it isn't really there. You could put your hands to it, correct? So wouldn't it be easily be moved that way? Uh, Do you understand what I'm saying? So if something vibrates to a higher level, essentially the idea that I've heard many times said before, like if you had a table that was slowly, you know, um, vibrating, let's say, or the atoms moving mm -hmm. very slowly, it's dense. But when you speed it up, essentially you should, if it was sped up, you should be able to put your hands right through it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of some. So my theory is, OK, so the earring. Right. So they speed it up so that it's not as heavy and dense or physical anymore. And then it gets placed into a certain, you know, bilocated or wherever it needs to be. I mean, think mm -hmm. about that. When we were at North Adams, remember, the, was it the um, the big sword that went missing? Didn't we do we were yeah. doing some sort of um, we were doing. Like a Ouija board. Yeah, contact. contact. We the had, first contact, yeah. the first event that we did there with with um, uh, Christian Day and uh, Sean Portia. 
Right. And they were the um, owners, right? I mean, weren't they pretty getting no, no. pretty upset? Because the sword had gone missing and it was up on this. Well, they the were Masons. Mantle. It was Masonic. The Masons. Masonic, yeah, it was Masonic sword. Uh, Sean Portier were witches who were actually doing the uh, Ouija board thing. Right. And mm-hmm. so they had someone. I remember somebody getting all upset and saying, where, where did the sword go? Because it mm-hmm. had been up on the mantle or there was in and, and it was missing. And then mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nobody moved anything because everybody was together in the room. And then later they found it. I don't know if it was that day or the next morning. Yeah, well, uh, Sean Portier and uh, Christian were doing the Ouija board, and what came through is that they asked them about the sword. Okay. And it says it's in the closet, and that's where they found it. They found it in the closet. Oh, okay. So, see? <laughs> I didn't have the specifics, but I remembered. Yeah. I had a recollection that it went missing, um, and yeah. it was found. The details were there, but yeah. They were they were a little sketchy, but what can I say? Um so, you know, but I've gone on investigations, you know, that you've brought. In fact, I think it was Rick's Cafe one night where I have like uh, all my I have a little the I hate to say it, but like a pouch or a bag that I put mm-hmm. all of my investigation stuff. So that includes crystals and stones. And, you know, I had the sage spray and, um, you know, all these different things inside the bag. Right. And I had it my pendulum. And the night you called to say, you know, you want to go to this, we're going to New Hampshire, we're going to do, get it interviewed, and you didn't really mention it was investigation. You said, oh, yeah, bring your stuff. So I went to the closet, and there was nothing. Like, I'm like, okay, how did it go missing? Again, it's only my husband and myself, and trust me when I say he doesn't bother with that stuff. He's like, you know, I it's it's like he, he'd run as far as in the other direction as he can. <laughs> um so, so that's the night, don't you remember, that you lent me your rosary beads? Of course. Yeah, do you remember that? So, yeah, I was, I was off in your purse. Yeah. <laughs> well, when oh, you, I, I don't have my dowsing uh, crystal. Oh, here you go. Well, because oh, things would go missing. Like, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. I would leave it in one spot. I'm very anal retentive. And if you don't remember yes, that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I, I am not I'm arguing ex- that point at all. <laughs> I am extremely, I, I, I know I am, but I mean, cause if there's a place for everything and I will be the person to put it in that spot. And so I can go back and find it. And so when it's not, I just have to leave it up to, okay, it's not meant to have it tonight, <laughs> you know, and then I'll come mm-hmm. back. And when I came back from the investigation, it was sitting right in the, the spot that I had left it. Yeah. So, you know, what can I say? Yeah. I mean, the, the paranormal is, is is interesting because you have these experiences it's easy to you know uh uh write off some things like you know i thought i saw something where you know you you know can you really verify it or or i thought i heard something but when you have incidents the material objects that actually uh move from location that's the intriguing to me it's intriguing anyways um your theory, of course, is on on the the vibrations is uh, often used in uh, uh, tipping because, uh, or, or you know, when they do the table knocking or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But when you have a table, if uh, you're doing it, it's often the table will feel like a liquid prior yes. to moving. It feels uh, light. It feels like it has no weight to it, and it's it's fluid. Yeah, it's very fluid at times, and uh, so that that probably has to do with vibration. I mean, the early spiritualists uh, very much believed vibration to for communication. 
and they used to play uh, different music, loud, uh, upbeat music. Uh, uh, and and how often uh, have we done things where we we joke around? Does it surprise me joking around? Uh, and uh, <laughs> and things will happen uh, when just previously nothing will happen, uh, but it'll be dead, and then all of it. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, I know. All of a sudden, you'll have some activity. Uh, so, anyway. well, because yeah, you, you, then when you do that, I mean, even when we're doing the glass swirling, I'll do a lot of events um, with that mm -hmm. as well. And the the more you joke, the more you laugh, the more you raise that vibration, the easier it is for spirit to come through. Right. Anyways, we uh, have to uh, take a break. We're coming up to the break here. Um, so. Uh, We'll, we'll go into, I, I want to talk about some more of our investigations, everything. And, and by the way, uh, if you a lot about this in our, our book, uh, Ghost Chronicles, the, the, the ones referred to, the Wood Island one, and also the um, the Stone House is, the original one is uh, in that book. So it's called Ghost Chronicles, which is available on Amazon and wherever good books are sold. Uh, we also have a second book, which is more Ghost Chronicles for more investigations, but they're all written in the first person. Mari, I speaking, thinking, and <coughs> you hear it all. Anyway, we're going to take a break. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation with Marmion Wood and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet. Brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon will help bring you this show. So you too can become a member from me at $3 a month and help support the show. And you have access to over 40 videos, uh, special ones only for our Ghost Chronicles uh, Patreon members, members of the Dead ES Society. So Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, check it out, three bucks a month, join and see what's going on. Uh, thanks for, oh yeah, I was going to say thanks for listening. It's, it's not the end of the show. We'll be right back. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> we'll be right back after the following messages. <laughs> Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. 
Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. back you are listening to ghost oh we're gonna do it go ahead do it <laughs> we're back there you go and you're listening to ghost chronicles next generation right here on toji net um in the first half uh not first half, the first show we did ghost chronicles international uh we talked about hauntings underwater what's your thoughts on that hauntings underwater yeah could hey. could ships be haunted on uh, sunken um, ship? I would imagine, since it's they're they're haunted. If they are haunted, presumably haunted, it would be more by energy, not necessarily a physical form, right? Because physical forms are not going to last underwater all this time. But energy obviously can. Well, isn't a ghost really isn't a physical form, is it? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying they can. I would assume that anything's possible. I mean, but mm. for me. Going down, like you know, to to actually check that out. Yeah, I'm good up here. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really someone that's going to go diving underwater. Yeah, I, I had a. We had an interesting uh, experience, and and I'll do it quick because we already talked about it on the, the next generation. But uh, we have people who listen to this show and don't listen to the other show. But uh, I had an event with uh, Roxy Zorker, uh, and we were doing the hack check, which, if you know, I don't have a lot of faith in. Uh, but uh, the radio uh, was was interesting because you get a lot of voices. You go, ah, blah, 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 blah. but we, you know, assumed that we connected with the spirit. So we we connected with we believe the spirit. And, and the interesting thing about it is we ask questions, and the voice was like a James Earl Ray voice. It would came in crystal clear, deep and dark. It was totally like. Not any other voices on the radio. Oh, and interesting. It asked the whole. We asked a whole bunch of questions, and uh, we we got an information um, uh, from the spirit uh, through this hack shack that um, it was uh, someone who had been murdered in 1955 by a, a gang of youths uh, who robbed them and tossed his body into Portsmouth Harbor, uh, and he wanted to. Uh, help from somebody who was there, and the he gave the first and last name of the person who was that he wanted help from, who was actually okay. there. Now there was only three people with me, no, four people doing this thing with me. So this voice came in, so he knew his first name and he knew his last name. As it turned out, he was an ex-cop, and I found out just recently that he also owns a scuba diving company oh okay so interesting little fact i have interesting yeah we i'm still gonna do the research on on this uh person who was supposedly killed in 1955 there but uh uh we're looking into that uh 
Oh, that's interesting. Well, well, if he was tossed into the harbor, though, would he be found after all this uh, time? Might have been. And not necessarily all this time, but uh, maybe there's something in the harbor that's, that he wants found or whatever. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe he just wants his help in finding uh, information on himself. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it can be anything, right? I mean, it's all, we, you know, even for me, you know, we do get all this information and we tap into this energy and we know it and it's... You know, how do you prove it sometimes, right? You can't prove it. You can't. It's conjecture on our part. But yet, you know, you feel it. You know, you get questions or, you know, you get answers rather to your questions that, you know, may point, like you said, to this police officer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The man was a police officer. You might not have, you know, you didn't know that. But, and he's a scuba diver. So, okay, that's, to me, that's interesting. Now, someone someone listening to that go, oh, that's a coincidence. But there comes a point, to me, when coincidences start to pile up and they almost become ludicrous, right? Yeah, that's the interesting thing because there is, you know, uh, you know, this, the old, uh, the birthday paradox where if you have, uh, I believe, uh, I can't remember the number. I think if, if you have uh, 25 people uh, there's going to be two of them that have the same birthday. So uh, just just a paradox. People will say, oh, well, you and I have the same birthday. That's that's strange. But in reality, it isn't. But anyways, you can look it up. I don't know. The, I probably screwed the numbers up a little bit, but that's called the birthday paradox. So, uh, But it's, it's, it's intriguing. Uh, no, that's it, interesting. And, I, you know, not to, to change the subject, but when you said something earlier, it kind of struck a chord in me, let's say. So you okay. mentioned something about when we were talking about the t- Tenny Gatehouse, and you mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you have the recording, and it was me yelling and screaming and, and whatever, uh, hissing, and that it used to be a drug rehabilitation center, and that, yeah. you know, basically lower energies or spirits that a lower energy, let's say, may be attracted mm-hmm. more to that region or area because of the history, correct? Right, right. Okay. So the reason I bring this up and the reason it struck a chord is I got a phone call from um, a family member who I know is very sensitive, um, mm-hmm. but this person called me, it's it's a nephew, um, and he called me, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he had had some activity. He bought a new house. It wasn't new, but he bought a house and refurbished it. And he asked me to come and, you know, go through the house and do a cleansing because he noticed certain things happening or he was feeling certain things and he never quite felt safe in the house. So I went there um, and I went around and I did a cleansing. And I will say, you know, walking around, I think it was more pockets of emotion, if that makes sense. Um, or heaviness. It really wasn't, I didn't feel any spiritual energy per se, but I could feel that there was just this heaviness about it. So when I was done, it felt much better. Um, And as time went on, you know, he was like, oh, this is great. Oh, I feel so wonderful. And that was a few months ago. And then a few weeks ago, he contacted me again. And he has, you know, his girlfriend's living with him. And he's like, you know, there was a lot of deaths in her family recently. And, you know, he started talking about all these things that were happening in the house. Now, I know that he, you know, he deals with and down his his emotions can fluctuate a little bit here and there and not to the great point like he gets very depressed um Mm -hmm. you know we had a a relative that passed by suicide 
And so for him, you know, he tends to worry that he's going in that same way. So I kept saying to him, you know, I guarantee let's try this for a few days. I said, and this is my belief. If you're, if you have something that you cleanse and you clear and it keeps, and something comes back, let's say one, I believe one, you're open to it or you're drawing it in. Right. So I said, let's just try this. I can help you again, but I think you need to learn how to help yourself as well. And it's not pushing him off. But I think I said to him, anything that I do, if you're continually paying attention to whatever it is and you're causing this drama and you're looking for it and you're recognizing it and you're, you know, whatever it might be, and you're constantly talking about it and you have, you know, you know, he's got all these horror movies on all the time and he's got, and I said, if you do that, you're lowering the vibration, you're at, you're bringing in this energy and anything we do is going to be temporary, you know, because you got to stop, you got to put a stop to that and see how it changes. So I gave him some tips on how to do that, you know, like we talk about, right? Like raise the vibration, play happy or funny music, play, you know, lighter music, talk watch about the comedy. Good exactly. Watch the comedy. Like, you know, stop getting so angry. If you feel yourself getting upset, go outside and take a walk, you know, do whatever you can. Do not, you know, create that environment. And I actually even recommended there's something that's called a love tuner. Um, oh, you got to tell me about this. Yeah. So it's a love tuner that. It's, you know, I have, um, you know, like the tuning forks, right? Large tuning forks. Yeah. And they make, a, they oh, sound yeah. like megahertz. Well, the love tuner is 528 megahertz. So our heart, mm-hmm. our, you know, everything vibrates that's really alive is at 528 megahertz. So the sun, the plants, you know, it's, it is the frequency of love. Okay. Megahertz. So, yeah, 528 mm-hmm. megahertz. So you... You basically it, but what this is is makes it more portable and easy to use, right? So if you go on lovetuner.com, and I'm I'm actually I get no part if anybody buys this, um, but lovetuner.com, it's just this little teeny like almost like a little flute that's a necklace, and you it's you know you pull it out like a you take the little flute out of the holder that you wear on a string around your neck, and you use it like five or six times in a row. And it literally, you can feel the shift in the energy, like the shift in the frequency in the room. And I said, if you're in a space where you're really upset and you're feeling stressed, I want you to buy the love tune and I want you to try it. So I have to tell you, I was very happy because I hadn't heard from him and it's been a couple of weeks. And I was like planning like, okay, what if I have to go back? You know, I was going to go back out and make plans. So I contacted him and he goes, oh my goodness. He said, you know, Auntie Maureen, everything is fantastic. He said, it's, I haven't seen anything anymore. It stopped. Um, the, we feel so much happier. It, the house feels lighter. You know, he uses the, the love tuner, you know, and he, and he work, walks around the house and occasionally uses it in certain rooms. And he said it just feels like a lighter atmosphere in the house. Excellent. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned the vibration and the, the tuners because that's one of my uh, – things that I'm extremely interested in and and I'm hopefully going to do some work on this is that a hundred Hertz used by many societies to Mm -hmm. contact the dead and to, uh, and other things. The the interesting thing about, we're talking about chambers that were built thousands of years ago Mm -hmm. that are structurally built for a hundred Hertz. And, it just intrigues the hell out of me is how the hell did they know that a hundred Hertz, first of all, how they know that 
They didn't have meters back then. How do they know that chamber was at 100 hertz? And how do they know how to construct it so that, that it vibra uh, the vibrations that it, So the it, resonance was at that? The resonance, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yep. So I, that's an intriguing thing. So I want to do, uh, I mean, it's, it's, there are so many things that we, we don't know and about vibration, especially sound and vibration, light and vibration, the vibration mm -hmm. period. Uh, Absolutely. Well, the other thing is when you're using, for instance, the 528, um, it's really was designed to help people to become their, their highest self, you know, like a meditation. So for instance, mm -hmm. in our busy lives, you have so many people running around who are just don't take the time to sit and meditate, right? And meditation right. obviously is de-stressing, helps with your body heal naturally. It's, it's th just, it's a good thing for everyone if they can get in the habit of doing. Well, not everybody has even five, 10, 15 minutes to, to try to meditate, right? So they mm. designed this, um, the love tuner to be able to, you know, bring that about for people to give them And literally you can feel a shift, right? When you use it and you just have to use it like five or six times in a row and you, part of it is breathing because think about it, you're, you're actually using it and you're breathing out. And so that's also oh, helping that you sense. relax, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're you're having your breath is now not like hyperventilating, right? You're slowly using this so that you create this long sound that's 528 megahertz. And I will tell you, I've used it for meditations. I've used it for group settings and I will use it. And everybody in the room is just, they feel a shift. Like you can feel the change in the energy in the room. Yeah. Now, I mean, there are there are things like the singing bowls and so forth that, Absolutely. that change, changes the vibrational as well. Exactly. But this is portable. That's why I mean, I go to, I have the singing bowls, uh, not the crystal ones. I do have brass ones. Um, I you know, and I go to places to have the sound bath healings. But this one, I just think is is great because it's just i mean i think you can buy it for like 60 bucks or 70 dollars but it's something you carry around with you just like having a pendulum instead of carrying l rods right it's just mm -hmm. an easier tool to take with you yeah uh there are so many meta metaphysical uh, modalities uh mm -hmm. that you can use it's you have so many crystals too that that people use for dipping cleansing for uh for healing and, and everything else is so do they how do you come up with this how how is this modalities created is it just somebody sitting around saying yeah i know let's take this hunk of crystal and uh run it over my leg and maybe it'll feel better uh, i mean well i think you train with people who have taken you know who have done their own research so um, I mean, I've taken, I'm trying to think of her name. I think her name for crystals many years ago was June, Judith Arnold, I think her name is. Um, and she was like a specialist because that's all she did was work with mm -hmm. crystals. And she, you know, over time, just like anything else, is you start creating a pattern or you start recognizing the patterns that if something's working, then you know it's working, right? And then you stop using it and then it goes away. You know that you're for yourself, at least, you've proven that something is working from it. Um, so I, it's a placebo yeah. effect. Well, it's possible. But then when you they do that again, think about it, even health wise, when you go to do a uh, natural cleanse and they call it the. Um, 
oh, I'm trying to think of the name and I'm having a brain cramp. Um, but when you're trying to, for instance, find out what food you might be allergic to, right? Mm-hmm. So you will stop eating a variety of foods and you give your body a chance for a few days and then you start introducing one food at a time. So, I mean, you're right. just you're testing to see whether or not and now you can say it's placebo effect. But if you have a symptom out of that, you know, you can't do it for another three days. You stop and you wait. and You start again. So if you have the same like, say, pain in your digestive system, mm-hmm. it's you're starting to put those pieces together. But I think that works with everything we do. Right. So it's trial and error you know the the more you go out and you use a tool and you know it works you go back to that i mean how many times do you have like you have all these tools for lack of a better word word in your toolbox but there are certain ones you go to more why well because that's the one you use for the proper job <laughs> well yeah but does it because maybe over time you've gotten better results right, all right. it works uh, but I mean, there are also the psychological effects of it. You, you know, you have people that will see a, a particular food or something and the, the, I don't know, like, oh, I, I don't want to eat that. And, and they've already made up their mind. And so they, they take it and, and they'll, uh, even if it's not that bad, they'll, they're already predetermined that it's, it's, it's not good. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's other things too, like, you, you know, you have, uh, people you like and you don't like. What mm-hmm. what's the difference? You know, why do you like some people and not don't like some other people? You just maybe you don't like the way that person looks or uh, uh, whatever. But maybe it, your energy. Effect. Think about uh, it. When you stand right. there, you have a ring of a. It's like the energy is like a ring of a tree around you. So you have like, for instance, could be anywhere up to six feet, sometimes more, depending on the day or the time, of you know invisible energy, which you might want to call your aura or the energy that circulates around us. And it's it's kind of, I think of it as a barrier, but when you go into someone who's very sensitive, you might walk into a store or you might walk into a busy room and every if you think of everybody having this around them, you don't have to be very close to somebody. You could essentially pick up like an antenna, pick up the energy, pick up that feeling. And there are some people who are very, you know, empaths or very emotional um, sensors that they're able to, to say, wow, that person, I really like them. They're genuine. I just know it, you know, or you have this other person that you say, I, I just don't like them at all, you know, and it, I, you know, maybe it's as shallow or as looking at them, but I don't think it's always, you could have your back turned to somebody and all of a sudden you feel like someone's standing behind you and whether you get a good feeling or that tightness in your chest or your stomach that you're like, oh, this something doesn't feel right, you turn around and that person's there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, can it be in your mind? Absolutely. But I think that, you know, people just don't always realize that they're also, you know, they're picking up on everybody's other thoughts or emotions, which is why, you know, I often tell clients, you know, you, you take a rock and you throw it in a pond, what happens? You have the ripple effect. And it's the same thing when I'm standing in a room with a bunch of people, you know, everybody's sending off thoughts. They might not be even saying it, but they're thinking it and that might be mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Well, then again, sometimes it's, you just don't like the looks of a person. Oh yeah, absolutely. That too. But I, I think that you know, if you look at someone and they're all well kept and dressed and you look at them, you go, I don't like them. Then there's something going on. OK. Spoken by spoken like a true medium. <laughs> uh, I do remember one thing and this kind of uh, this conversation kind of 
brought it back to me in that when you and I were doing the original Ghost Chronicles on uh, WCCM and uh, Methuen, uh, Lawrence, uh, we had the the guy from the Dibbit box. So oh, uh, the haunted Dibbit box. This was no. Now you got to talk over almost. 23 years ago mm -hmm. uh and uh you know we had the the guy who had the original box i think zach has it now supposedly but whatever the we had the guy that uh bought the original box mm -hmm. and for, originally and then the, we had the guy that uh had it at that time uh one was from he had it like in a was, museum place, wasn't it? Like in yeah, the basement yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, he was a museum curator. Yeah. And you and I were doing the show. And you, do you remember the show? Uh, kind of. I do remember that it was all of a sudden we felt this cold. And I could, we were getting kind of aggravated with each other too. Um, and I kept saying that I, I remember it was something about, you know, just talking about it. I didn't want to talk about it because I could feel the energy starting. Mm -hmm. Um. And then it was that same night we went off to the Wyndham, right, for dinner? Yeah. Was that the night? Could be. Could be. The time when we were sitting at the table and you were like, I'm invincible. No, right? no, that's another time. Was that a different uh, time? Yeah, that But it was, was very close because it, yeah. it was talking about the Dybbuk box. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another thing. It was like, you know, that night you ended up uh, getting in an accident with a person never even saw you and Jan in the car. Yeah. If you recall, and your chair flipped right over in the restaurant. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember that? You sat at the end table just five minutes after you were saying you were, you were yeah, invincible, sure, sure. and the table, the chair went right backwards, and you went, you know, you know what, over keep Tika. I was probably being <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, so you have those cases like that where we 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 are just interviewing this person and, and yet the the whole atmosphere within the oh, station yeah. changed and everything well when i interviewed the person before we, we talked to him together i remember i talked to the guy on the phone right um and i had had talked to him i was in my house and there was a big issue where anything that was going on with the negativity you could smell jasmine flowers right yeah. Um, which I didn't know really at the time until later. Well, there were, there were two odors. It was either uh, jasmine flowers urine. or, uh, or yeah, or yeah. Cat, cat urine. And yeah. uh, while I was sitting there talking to the guy, I recall telling him because he had just was trying to get back in touch with me and he was going to email me, but then his computer caught on fire. Um, and so he called me the next day and he said, I was trying to reach you. My computer caught on fire. So I'm calling you, but I'm leaving the house to call you because I don't want something else to happen. And so he's calling me, he talks to me five minutes later, I go down to my basement to get something and it's had this sickly, and I'm not a fan. I don't even know what Jasmine flowers at the time smelled like, but I had this mm -hmm. sickly smell of flowers that I could smell in my house, um, and I was thought, oh, this isn't good, you know. And then I came back upstairs and I called the guy. And what I had forgotten is what I had sent him, which probably irritated the spirit to no end, was I was sending him ways where he could protect himself and his family. Oh, okay. And so that was what he was trying to read, the email, when his computer and his hard drive caught on fire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, timing is everything or, you know, it's, it's yeah, very... I mean, yeah, because we had the we had the, and the similar story is we had the gentleman 
uh, who produced the Blair Witch, I mean, not the Blair Witch, the Bell Witch Haunting, uh, you know, which is the, the famous Bell Witch in, in Tennessee. And when he was talking about all kinds of strange things that happened to him uh, while he was producing that movie, uh, similar electronic problems and everything else. And even now that I think about it, even when we uh, uh, did the um, what was the name of that light? Oh, the London Ledge Lighthouse, where they they produced that uh, TV that TV thing that won an Emmy. Uh, we had the producer on the show, yes. and he was talking about how he he was edited it, and, and the place yes. was, went dark, and and like all the lights went out in the place, and and he saw somebody who wasn't there, and everything else. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. And so, then when we had him it, on the radio show, it sounded like there was a foghorn. And he thought we played that on the boards and we had nothing no, that was, to do with no, that. No, that was, that was, that was Jimmy and. Um, yes, but that was similar to, you know, I mean, because we're talking about the Emmy. Yeah, we're talking about the show because the Jimmy show, was yeah. the one who went with us and, and uh, Gary was uh, the one that, uh, whose show it was originally. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyways, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. So certain paranormal subjects seem to have an effect on uh, people in the environment at times. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's why if someone is in a house that is, like I was telling my nephew, it's something that's going on and you're not happy what's going on, which obviously you don't want to have things, you know, moving around or, you know, uh, feeling these negative happenstance or whatever's going on. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so if you're doing that, you don't want to be sitting there paying attention to it and adding to it with the drama, like, oh, my God, look at this. I mean, if, you, you know, call someone in for help or leave the house. And if you want to figure it out and take a break, <laughs> raise the vibration. Don't sit there inside of it and make it worse. Mm -hmm. That's why they, they say a lot of times you should walk away from an argument because that's what happens. Yeah. Is, it's only going to escalate. It, it grows, right? But anyways, we are at the two-minute warning, so we have to wrap it up. So Maureen, uh, Maureen and I, as I mentioned earlier, wrote uh, several books together, Ghost Chronicles, More Ghost Chronicles, and Ghost Today, which are available on Amazon and other fine bookstores. Uh, but Maureen has also written a, a series of uh, her own books, which is called what, Maureen? The Ghost Seekers Paranormal Series. And uh, the first one is Monster of the Asylum, but it's under B.T. Lord and J.S. Stevens. Um, and mm -hmm. then also, if you want to find me, it's maureen-wood.com, my website. Maureen-wood.com. Yep. All right, awesome. Uh, Maureen, thank you uh, for joining me today. It's been great uh, looking back on some of our old cases, but also, you know, discussing various topics as well. Um, thank, thank you, you. for filling in, filling in for Anne. Who's Absolutely. Doing whatever Anne is doing. <laughs> Hi, Anne. <laughs> Anyways, today's show is uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with uh, Maureen Wood and Ron Kolick right here on TojiNet, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Logwood, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, join us. Uh, you get access to over 40 exclusive uh, videos made just for our Ghost Chronicles Radio Patreon. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Good night and God bless. See you next good week. Good night and God bless.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. 